It was a dark and stormy night. Super dark. Like when you can't see the back of your hand in front of your face kind of dark. We had just traversed the dangerous mountain pass, snowy and treacherous, all in hopes to find the best pasture land for our sheep when Whoa. all of a sudden... What? Best? No, no, no. Worst, worst pasture we have ever been on. And it was a normal night. Fine. It was a normal night. But the moon was shining down upon us, bursting forth epic things, no, all no, things were building. No, no, no. It was a, as I've said before, a normal night. Was not. Was. Was not. Was. Was not. It was. Was not. Boy, it was not a normal night. It was the same. Is this the important part of the story? Right. Sorry. So there we was. We'd settled down for the night, so they were sitting around the campfire, and I was out counting sheep, you know. There's quite a few of them. There's, you know, rams we got to uphold, and then there's the ewes, and now there's lambs. So we would count them, and sometimes they get lost, and they get hidden behind the hills and the bushes, stuck in crevices. So it's quite an ordeal to wander around in the dark just finding them and got to make sure they're all back at the campfire. It was the most terrifying and beautiful thing I've ever seen. He just burst forth into the field right in front of us and said, do not be afraid, but like it's the middle of the night. What do you expect? It was, it just... was an angel. It was an angel from God. It was an angel. Gabriel. I was <laughs> so scared. But Jerome here tried to hide behind Edgar, our tiniest sheep. I get scared. Dad jumped clear of the fire. Anyways, I was so proud of the old anyways, man. Anyways, the angel said, in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. He was there talking to all of us, maybe every human on earth. He said he was there for you and for me, a savior for me. Then the sky burst forth. Millions of angels filled the heavens. It was overwhelming. It was so bright. I think it did something to my cornea because I can't see the color green anymore. And they started singing. And what was the song they sung? What was the song? Glory to God in the highest and peace to all men who abide in him. That was it? That was it. That was it. Then suddenly, they were gone. And we talked about it. Jerome left even before we decided what to do with the sheep. Well, with all the angels around, I didn't think uh, the sheep would be, you know. Who cares about the sheep when we had this amazing display take forth, you guys? And we oh. found them, just like the angel said. A little boy, not three hours old, there with his mother. Wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger of all places. I was surprised with all the fanfare, the moderate surroundings. It was very welcoming. I got to hold him. For a minute. You got to hold him for a whole minute. That doesn't matter, guys. Still counts. Anyway, afterward, we headed out into Bethlehem, sort of pounding on all the doors, telling people, screaming, it was awesome. Oh, man, 
You were screaming. Yeah. You woke up the whole town. Yeah. You were the reason why, well, how did the next day in the market go? We got kicked out of the market. We got kicked out of the market. We then explained the whole deal with the angels and the fanfare and the adorable little baby Jesus sitting in the manger. And when they started to hear that, they stopped throwing their sandals at us and received it. They were in awe. Oh, I'm in awe just thinking about it. Oh. I didn't sleep that night at all. None of us did. I didn't sleep for the week after. We were too excited. I mean, the Messiah, the Messiah, Savior of the world, long awaited, he's, he's here. Mm. He's here. I still can't see the color green. Can you guys see the color green? I just, I can't see it. Well, that's pretty good. I, I'm gonna try and keep up their energy, but it's not gonna happen, so. But uh, good morning. Um, as Mel kind of alluded, my name is Dan, and uh, I have to say it's been, I've, I've truly been blessed to be able to serve on the board for Rising Above and on the board of elders here. Um, it, it truly has been a blessing for me. And I just want to say, you know, to the people who created this lovely set design, thank you. It has been an incredible, it just, I walk in here, let's give them a hand. I come in here and I just feel like it invites me in. It's like I'm sitting at home and I just want to go sit by this fire, but I don't think you want me preaching from back there. But this morning, I kind of want to take us on a journey. I want to, I want to invite you in, into a story. And kind of the theme this morning is Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds. And so we've just seen this video, and, and I mean, you know, great, it, it, it's drawn us in. So they, they've kind of laid a lot of the groundwork and, you know, a good portion of my sermon here. So, you know, we're done. Have a good day. But, uh, no, I want I you to kind of just imagine this. We're going to be reading out of Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, and, and you can open your Bibles, your phone, or you can not. You can kind of just close your eyes and come on a journey as we actually look at Christmas through what the shepherds might have experienced. So just kind of picture, these shepherds are out in this dark field. Maybe you're with them. You have a small fire and the stars as all the break up the darkness of the night. In your youth, you've been given the responsibility to watch over the flock. You're to protect them from the dangers that lurk in the night. Armed with a staff and a cane only, you agree to protect this flock with your life. As the night goes on, you're sharing some stories. You're maybe making some jokes at your fellow shepherds. You're wondering why Steve stinks. You know, is he sleeping with the sheep again? You're doing anything to try and keep awake. You hear a rustle and your heart jumps. All of a sudden, a flash of light happens. The darkness is gone. The glory of God is all around you. And an angel right beside you. You've never seen anything like this before. You're afraid. Actually, you're terrified. Now, I don't know about you guys. 
I'm not too fond of the dark, I'm not afraid of it, but you know, when you can't see something and something happens beside you, behind you, you can get startled. And if you try and put yourself in the situation of the shepherds, how would you have felt? All of a sudden, you're maybe realizing like this is an angel of the Lord. So maybe you're afraid, a little bit off. Seeing this though, the shepherd's response, the angel says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Shall be for all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign you'll be given. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I can just imagine the shepherds. Their head's just spinning, you know, what did I just hear? Like, am I, am I, am I sleeping? Am I dreaming? You know, maybe you're pinching yourself. What's going on? Looking at each other, like, did you just see this? As these thoughts are going through their head, a multitude of heavenly hosts appear. And they're saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth and goodwill to men. And it came to pass when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go into Bethlehem and see the things that come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found both Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known what they had heard. So can you guys see this? Can you, like, just imagine the multitude of emotions of these shepherds. They're standing beside Mary and Joseph. They're looking at baby Jesus. The awe, the reverence, the amazement. You're looking at our Savior. I'm pretty sure one of them would have thought this, if not said it. Oh, look at him, he's so cute. All of those who heard what the shepherds were saying, they wondered in amazement. That's really, they pondered, they soaked it in. It, it resonated with them. But Mary, she kept all these sayings in her heart. And to all the moms out here, just imagine, you've just finished giving birth and a stranger, a group of strangers come in and they share with you a vision that you've already been given. And they confirm this and they speak these blessings over your child. Just what a sense of wonder. I've, I've just, I can just imagine her heart just being overfilled with joy as she experiences these things. The shepherds then took their journey back to the fields. The entire way glorifying God, glorifying their Savior. They shared with them all the things that had been seen and shared and spoken to them. So now as I study this passage, there's, there's quite a few things that stood out to me, and they really had me thinking and really had me wondering, you know, who, who are the shepherds? You know, all through Scripture we hear about shepherds, but really who are these shepherds? The other question I had is, why them? Why would they be chosen to be the first people to go and meet our Savior? So looking back in Scripture, the occupation of shepherd was actually first noted in Genesis 4 with Abel. So you had Cain and Abel kind of going along, 
And, and Cain was given the fields to work. Abel was given the flocks to look after. After a little while, when the, when the crops grew, Cain brought an offering to God. Abel brought an offering of the firstborn of one of his spotless lambs. The Lord looked at Abel with favor, but not on Cain. Being a shepherd in that time was a very respectable and even favored position. That respect started to, le to let leave as Israel went from being nomadic to when they started becoming more farmers and staying put. Shepherds were typically stereotyped as being senseless, lawless, dirty, smelly, second-class people. They were typically seen as untrustworthy. Interestingly, shepherds were also seen as being young people. Sound is 13. So throughout the book of Jeremiah, we kind of see where shepherds may have got some of this image. So in Jeremiah 10, we see God, Jeremiah's talking about God. And he's not really talking, he's really kind of complaining to God. Like, you know, God, why, why do the wicked people prosper in this world? Why do the faithless live at ease? You know, we have faith and we struggle and we have all these hard things. For these people, it seems easy. He starts asking God, God, I want you to deal with these people. I want you to strike them down. God's response is with how these people have turned on him and how they've hurt him. He comes to say this of the shepherds. He says, many shepherds will ruin my vineyard and travel down my field. They'll turn my pleasant field into a desolate wasteland. When you fast forward to chapter 50, it says, my people were lost sheep. Their shepherds led them astray. They abandoned them in the mountains where they wandered aimlessly through the hills. They lost track of home. They couldn't remember where they came from. Everyone who met, who met them took advantage of them. Their enemies had no qualms. Fair game, they said. They walked out on God. They abandoned the true pastor, the hope of their parents. So you can kind of see where shepherds started getting this bad, this bad rap where they kind of lost their noble position and how people viewed them. Strangely enough, though, these shepherds who were seen like this still had, still had reason. They still had a purpose. They're typically seen as outcasts, second-class citi second citi citizens, the downtrodden, good-for-nothing, right? But they needed them in the temple. These shepherds looked after the flock. They're responsible for providing the spotless lamb, the sacrifice. The shepherds we look at in Luke 2, they were fulfilling the temple duties. They're seeking to raise these spotless lambs for sacrifice. Found out, you know, we had some friends go, go over to Israel and do some touring. So where, where the shepherds were to where Jesus was born is approximately a half-day walk, half-day journey to where Mary and Joseph were. And I've kind of, kind of wondered... You know, when, when the shepherds seen this angel, you know, they've been preparing these, these lambs that are going to be for a sacrifice. And now they just met Jesus, 
who is Lamb of God? What will be our ultimate sacrifice? I wonder when that mind, when that thought, if it ever crossed our mind after meeting Jesus, that this is who's going to die for us. But right now, now's the time to rejoice. The Messiah was born. And as I look at the response of the shepherds, so after the fear subsided, they rushed to see this baby in a manger. The word used was with haste. They didn't waste time. They didn't go sleep on it. They didn't go pray on it. They didn't go confirm with a whole bunch of other people saying, should we go do this? It was an immediate response, and they went and did it. And when they got to the stable and seen Mary and Joseph with Jesus, they shared with him what they had seen. How they were told that they would find this baby in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. They shared with him that this child was to be our savior. You ever wonder, like, would they have been surprised? You know, I mean, you just had these people, this angel appear, tell you, hey, go do this, and then they get there and it's actually true. Like, Jesus is there, and it's like, wow. And I, you know, maybe he had some doubts. But it was all foretold, and, and, and you know, I just, what a glorious night that would have been to be there. But this text also, also reveals the response of those who heard what the shepherds had to say. How our Savior was born. People were amazed. And Mary, Mary's response, just soaking this in, dwelling in it. That would have been very special. It's kind of neat to think too, though, is that the shepherds would have actually been the first evangelists. They're going around sharing about our Savior. Now, when we look back at the shepherds, I don't think it's a real big stretch to say that there's nothing special about them. No fancy education, degrees, definitely not high in, in a social status. Just some people trying to make, make it by the best they can, doing what they know how. But this is who God chose. Chose to be the first people to meet Jesus. Chose to be the first evangelist. Nothing special. Shepherds were the ones responsible for providing the sacrificial lamb. I'm overwhelmed when I think of the fact you're providing the sin offering and now you're looking in the face, in the eyes of Jesus. And when you look at the God's calling on the shepherds, the response is encouraging, it's humbling that God can call each of us and every one of us to fulfill his purpose and mission. 1 Samuel 15.22 says this, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission. And it's better in an offering of the ram. So you see, the shepherds didn't wait. They also didn't sacrifice the lamb. They didn't bring any gifts. What they did was so much more than that. They were obedient. 
And I kind of want to relate it, just a simple message that we see in the shepherds. And I really believe we need to hear this. And it doesn't matter your race, your demographic, your socioeconomic status, your marital status, you got kids, you got no kids, you're rich, poor, you got brown hair, gray hair, pink hair, no hair, you're thick, thin, tall, short. We all have one thing in common. God is seeking our obedience. He's calling us to love God. He's calling us to love others. And he's calling us to share the gospel. You've seen this as the shepherds. They were obedient in doing that. And when you look at the response, people are amazed. They believed. They rejoiced. So as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, let's not forget this mission that, we're, that Jesus is sent here for and what we were sent here for, what we were here for, to love God, love others, to share the gospel. But in that, be reminded, it shouldn't be a burdensome or scary thing. Now, I'll give you guys full disclosure. When I was writing the sermon, I kind of felt this is about where I would end it. And I, and I read it to my wife, and I, I kind of timed it, and I was looking at it, and it's like, I didn't take my allotted time. And I felt good with that. I felt it was okay. And she said, well, if God, this is where God wants you to stop, then that's where you stop. But I'd encourage you to pray. So I prayed, and I asked God, is this where you want me to stop? Well, three o'clock in the morning, God woke me up. And it was a simple passage in the text that we read. And this is coming out of Luke 2, verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now we heard before, don't be afraid. And we hear this in, in secular, non-secular. We hear this all over and there's tons of reasons why people tell us to not be afraid. 366 times in the Bible it says, take courage, have, take heart, be of good cheer, don't be afraid. And why? Because I've overcome the world. But the part that really spoke to me in this passage was the second part. I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. And when we look at Christmas, we give gifts. How often we seek to find the perfect gift. You know, we want to give a gift and we want to, why do we do it? We want to bring joy to people. We want to see the reaction, the smiles. Sometimes we want to see people cry if you're like me, you know. But we want to bring joy to people. And when I look back over the years, some of the gifts I've given or received, some of them have really brought me great joy, some not as much. Well, that's okay. Now, when, when Jody, my wife, and I were first together, Money was tight. She took her flute, she used to play piano on the flute, and she took her flute and she sold it. So we could take that money and pay our bills. Now, she said it was okay because she never played it. Anyways, so 20 or so years later, somehow I found myself looking at flutes. And I was thinking I wanted to give one up for her, wanted to buy one for her. So I found one, I purchased it, needed to be polished, so I took it out, I polished it all up, and I, 
put it together and I tried to play it. And it didn't play. So I took this flute then to a repair shop. And I said, can you repair this? It's for Christmas for my wife. They went through it and they said, here's a repair bill, what it'll take. And I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford to fix it. So I chose to wrap up the flute anyways and give it to my wife with the intention that when we could afford to, we would fix it. When she opened that flute, her reaction was incredible. It brought her joy. She smiled, she cried. I told her we would take it in and get it fixed when we could afford to. She then took the flute, put it together, and began to play. Now, if you ask my wife, she'd tell you it's because you don't know how to play a flute. I think God was doing something pretty cool here. So I have the story. And why Christmas? See, giving this gift to my wife brought her joy. But it also brought me joy. And when I look at sharing Jesus with others, or receiving Jesus myself, that's an ultimate joy. It's the ultimate gift. It's one that cannot be bought, manufactured, taken away, or lost. And I want to recognize that last statement I just said. It might offend some of you. And it might be a touchy subject for some of you. Maybe you've lost loved ones, you've had somebody walk away, you've had a friend walk away. I have two of my children who've walked away. And if this is where you're at, I want to encourage you with a verse out of Proverbs 22. So start your children off in the way they, they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. And as I look at my own children, I've often wondered, when is old? When are they going to not turn from it? Because right now we're walking these waters where they're not walking with Jesus. But the cool thing, though, there's still time on the clock. What's been written in their heart can never be taken away. This gift, even if it's not being used right now, it'll never diminish. It'll never rot, and it can never flee. It's always there and always available. When I look at the prodigal son, as soon as that son turned, the father ran right to him. So I want to encourage you guys, keep giving this gift. Keep receiving this gift and to be filled with the joy that comes with it. So I'm going to have Brad coming up here. He's going to be playing a, just a, a time of response for us. I just want to invite you. Maybe you're here today and you've been saying, you know, I really want joy. I'm lacking joy in my life and I really want joy. I want you to come down. And there's going to be people here to play, pray with you. A number of years ago, I was doing a fundraiser for Rise and Above and I was carrying a crate through the city of Grand Prairie. And my joy, my life felt pretty joyless. And I remember praying, God, I want to be filled with joy. And I walked by this one sign over and over and it had kind of a funny Christmas song, and as I walked by it, over and over, as the days went by, I started singing. I found my joy in the Lord that year.
And I want you guys to receive that gift. You can have joy. And if you're coming from a place, you know, if you have a loved one that's walked away, I want you to come up and we want to pray for you that they too would find that joy. Maybe you've been asking yourself, who can I share this joy with? Who can I share Jesus with? And you don't know. I want you to come up and we want to pray with you that the Holy Spirit will reveal who that person is so that you can share and that they can too have that joy. As you, if you're not coming up and you're sitting there and you're joy-filled, I want to ask you, pray for the people who are up here. Pray for the lost ones. Pray that they'd find joy. Pray for those that you might know or that you don't know. And just pray for them. So, Brad, thank you.
We would like to extend the invitation for prayer. And as we bring the uh, kind of official part of our service to a close, uh, we again invite you to come, whether it's focused on the message this morning or if there's something else that's been on your heart and mind, the prayer team is here and ready and would value an opportunity to pray with you. Uh, as we close the service, I leave you with these words, which we have already heard this morning. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Jesus offers joy. You may go in peace to love and serve the Lord, whether you're coming to the front or you're heading out. Blessings in your week.